our lives today uh, to help us. Every one of us desperately needs to hear from you. And for whatever reason, a lot of times we've hardened our hearts or we've plugged our ears uh, or stiffened our necks against uh, your will and against uh, our relationship with you, against truly knowing you and being forgiven for our sin. And so God, we ask you to help us as we study to connect to your word. Uh, God, that we would see, that we would experience that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Um, God, that we would see You're sending Your Word in in our life today to teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us in righteousness, that we might be Your people and that we might go out and do every good work You're calling us to do. So God, move today through the power of Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and uh, get your Bible open there to the book of Hebrews. This week, uh, during men's Bible study, we, uh, we talked a little bit about that last week as well, but we've been studying uh, the law. We've been started, we did seven chapters of Leviticus. So, Ray, you missed out, man. Seven chapters of Leviticus. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a difficult passage passages to read through, but it was good to read it together. And it makes you think about things that you're not going to think about as an American otherwise. Um, you're not going to just automatically think about blood sacrifices and animals uh, being chopped up. And that's basically what Leviticus is, is when somebody brings this type of animal, here's how you are to offer it up uh, and, uh, and, and what you are to do with it. And so there were all sorts of sacrificial offerings. There were some that involved blood, the killing of an animal. They would put their hand on the animal, representing the sin transferring from the person or the family to that, or the nation to that animal, and then that animal was killed um, and uh, and sacrificed. And uh, and, and so, you know, if we only studied that, the law, Leviticus, um, it would be hard for us, especially in an American Western society, uh, so many, you know, thousands of years removed from those, uh, from those events to understand and really grasp what's the point of all these offerings, of all this blood being shed. And, uh, and then other offerings were just grain offerings and they didn't involve blood. But, uh, but the sacrificial offerings are important. Uh, and they're important for us to study and, and grow if we really want to mature in our understanding of the Bible. If you don't understand the Old Testament... Thankfully, there's plenty in the New Testament that I believe any of us can grasp and uh, we can be saved, praise God. We're, we don't all have to be Bible scholars or whatever. Uh, but, uh, but when we do understand the Old Testament, it really will mature us and help us even have a deeper understanding of the New Testament and especially a book like Hebrews uh, or a letter like Hebrews that is so filled with the Old Testament. Um, and so part of that was those those blood sacrifices, those sacrificial um, offerings. And, uh, and in our sermon notes today, our, our first point um, is sacrificial offerings are pointless unless they point God's people to their need for a perfect Savior. Um, and so the, the highlighted words are what you would fill in the blanks there. Uh, so all those offerings that all those Israelites offered, all those generations were pointless 
if those people weren't truly living by faith in God's Messiah, in Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for our sin. Because he says it there uh, in verse 4, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls to take away sins. Uh, bulls and goats to take away sins. Um, it's impossible. It didn't happen. Um, it was the offering. It was the even back then. It was faith. Um, it was what they were doing. What, what, what you know? Where were their hearts in giving that? Verse five says, "Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings." You have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And so all of those things point to Jesus. All of Leviticus points to Jesus Christ. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. And as we begin to see that, uh, we'll have those aha moments where we realize, okay, there is value in reading the Old Testament prayerfully. Uh, there is value in understanding that. And, uh, and a lot of times what we do with the Old Testament is we read it kind of moralistically. Um, here, David did good. He, he defeated Goliath when everybody else was chicken. Be like David. But the heart of that message is you're not, I mean, the, you know, the heart of the Old Testament is don't be like David, because later on, what does David do? He wrecks his life, doesn't he, in the life of a bunch of other people. Uh, and, and is a horrible witness. So really, should I be like David? The heart of it is, David at his worst times is who I am without Christ. Uh, Abraham at his worst is who I am without Christ. And, uh, and, and only when they were being Christ-like can we in any way emulate these Old Testament figures. But they all fell short. They all pointed us to a need. And that's what really the heart of the whole book of Hebrews is about. Jesus Christ is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than any of these people in the Old Testament that the Israelites worshipped in a sense. They, they, uh, they depended on. They almost looked to like idol worship in a lot of ways. And in the in the writer of Hebrews is saying Jesus is so much better. And uh, and so the whole heart of it all is that it's pointless unless they point God's people to their need for a perfect Savior. And so us being here today is pointless if it doesn't point you to your need for a Savior. If you don't truly understand that and see that, it's not going to make a difference. I mean, hopefully, little by little, uh, there's, there's differences being made and, and, uh, and God is starting to chip away at that stubbornness in your heart, that selfishness in your heart, that sinfulness. Uh, but if you just sit here and think, oh, check that box, it's not going to work unless we begin to see how desperately we need a Savior. Have you ever seen these guys on the side of the roads in the bigger cities uh, pointing signs? It's a good job out there for somebody. Uh, you can get a sign, and, uh, and, you, and a lot of them will spin it around, right? And they'll, they'll spin those signs around and, and uh, yeah, do all kinds of tricks with it and, um, and, uh, and dances or whatever else, but to draw attention 
hey, this business, come, you know, come here, shop at this business. That'll be a good, good job for Peyton at Tracy's business. We'll make him a sign pointer. Um, but that's the heart of the whole, all these sacrificial offerings, the burnt offerings and the grain offerings and, and all these different things that Leviticus talks about and that it was all to point to a Savior is coming. The Savior is coming, um, and, and, and we desperately need Him. And so today, our message is He has come, and He has lived the life we couldn't live, and He has died for us, and He died in our place. He became our sin. He has suffered God's wrath, and God raised Him again, and He is alive. That's our message, and so everything points to that message in Hebrews 10, it goes on. Uh, our next point is sacrificial offerings are pointless unless they point God's people to the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered uh, according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We should rejoice in that and praise God. They had to continually bring these, the best of their flock uh, and, and, you know, the best they had to offer, uh, continually offering these animals for sin. Um, and we don't have to do that because Jesus Christ has done it. And so, uh, you know, unless we're pointing to that, that we're not here at church today because we have to be. We're here today because it's our passion to worship God. It's our, it's our passion to, uh, to, 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 to know Him, to remember, to, to, to encourage each other and point each other to that once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ that He said on the cross, it is finished. The works-based religions out there, philosophies out there say, you got to keep doing it. You got to keep offering those sacrifices. You got to keep sending in that money. You got to keep doing those good things. You've got to keep, you know, whatever. Uh, keep, uh, you know, whatever. I can't even think of whatever. Uh, meditating or, you know, reach nirvana or whatever it is. Uh, but Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's finished. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. A once for all sacrifice. And if that's not our message, it's pointless. It's just another works-based, man-made religion. And even if they use the Bible, it's pointless unless it's pointing us all to the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our next point is sacrificial offerings are pointless unless the motive behind the offering is a passion to grow closer to God. So a passion, our, our motive is not earning favor. Our motive is not uh, trying to outweigh the good over the bad, trying to do whatever. Um, our passion is, I want to get closer 
to the God that saved me, the God that laid down his life for me. I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to worship him. I want to serve him. That's the passion behind it. That's the motive behind it. Because, you know, through his power, I can lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And so if that's not our heart as a church, that's not our heart as believers in Christ all over the world, it's pointless. If we think that somehow we can offer something that's good enough, something that's better than Jesus, because that's what we have to do. If you believe you're going to stand before God someday and say, I was a pretty good person, you ought to let me in your presence. I was better than your son. That's what you're going to have to say. I was better than your son Jesus. And none of us will ever be able to say that. And so all of it is pointless if our motive is wrong. Uh, And if our passion is wrong, if our passion is not to grow closer to God, but it's just to check some boxes and go through some religious motions and go, okay, God bless me now like a slot machine or something, right? I put in my offerings, my sacrifices, and then I yank the deal and say, okay, God, I want to hit the jackpot. And it just, it's pointless. It does not work that way. It doesn't mean Satan won't give you uh, uh, some winnings to keep you going down his path and make you live deceived and think, it, you know, think you're doing the right thing. But if your heart with God isn't right, if your relationship with God, if your motive for living and being is wrong, then it's all pointless. Uh, and, uh, and so our passion needs to be to grow closer to God, to lay aside every weight. Look at verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. And if you read Leviticus, it is repetitive. Just like the priest's life would have been. Same thing over and over and over. But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. Waiting for the time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And then Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since therefore we are surrounded, and you got to read Hebrews 11 to really grasp that part, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you today to surrender to God your self centered religion. And you may not see it as that, but if it is not Christ-centered, it's self-centered. And if you'll give that to God and just admit that, God, I'm offering up these sacrifices, but there's no passion in it. There's no heart in it. It's really about me. 
I really want my will to be done and I don't really care about your... If you'll admit that to God, surrender that to God, He'll give you a Christ-centered relationship. And any believer here that has made that transition will tell you a Christ-centered relationship is so much better than any religion there is. Any religion... Uh, there is a Christ-centered, God-glorifying relationship. You can surrender to God your worst, and He'll give you His best. Because His best is Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so, how, what a trade. <laughs> God, here I am. Here's my worst, my sin, my, you know, my darkness. Uh, whatever it is, surrender to God your darkness. He will give you His eternal life. What an awesome trade-off that is. But how few people really make it. We don't grasp how deeply rooted self-centered religion is. People like self-centered religion. People for all times have preferred that over a Christ-centered relationship. Because if it's a self-centered religion, we can control it. We can honor it when we want to. We can dishonor it when we want to. We can listen when we think we might get something out of it. And we can not listen when we don't want to. But a relationship, a healthy relationship, is so much different than that. Where Jesus is he's, he's number one. He is the passion. He is the motive and the reason that we do everything. And what an awesome trade-off. You give Him your worst. That's all you have to offer. Even if it's religious good deeds, it's still filthy rags in comparison to God's holiness in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So it's still your worst. Even if you think it's the best, offer it up. And He will give you His Son. He will give you the Holy Spirit. He will allow you to enter into the family of God. And so are you religiously, this is a long sentence here, are you religiously offering pointlessly selfish sacrifices to God? Think about that. They're pointless because they're selfish. Even though you say they're for God, even though you say maybe they're for the Baptist faith or whatever it might be, But if it's not honoring Christ, if it's not with the right heart, it's pointless. When you could be living a sacrificial life that points others to Jesus Christ. You know, religiously is like brushing your teeth. You do it all the time. Or you should start. Um, uh, It's something that's just over and over and over. Uh, And so are we just religiously doing these things because we started as kids and it's just what we do. And people told us we should do these things, but it's really just our heart's not in it. It's pointless then. So are you religiously offering pointlessly selfish sacrifices to God when the whole point of Jesus is that we would live a life of sacrifice? We don't need lambs and goats because we are the temple of God now. And the blood of Jesus washed us clean. And now we can spend our life, give our life, lay down our lives for His glory and His honor 
Because as the heart of this message is, it's pointless unless it is pointing people to Jesus. Think about that person with that job just spinning a sign all day in the hot sun. He's got to think, that's pointless at times. What am I doing? I've got to get to college and get a better career or whatever. Sorry if you're listening and you do that for a living. I apologize. Your job is awesome, I'm sure. Uh, But is that what we are as a church? Just spinning these pointless signs? Or is our life, is our sign, is our passion, our, our motive pointing people to Jesus Christ? Uh, you know, that's our heart and that's our message. And so it's pointless, whatever it is, if it's not pointing people to Jesus. In every aspect of our life, our life is at home with the family should be pointing, should be pointing to Jesus. Our lives at work, the way we care about people, the way we treat people, talk people, should be pointing people to Jesus. Even the way we treat our enemies, uh, whatever it is, how we act and, and live, it's pointless unless it's pointing people to Jesus Christ. So are you living that type of sacrificial life that is pointing others to Jesus? As we close today by way of invitation, I always want to encourage you we have some bracelets back there and they help us remember what it's all about. Um, and uh, and I, I've tried to start my week thinking through that. Um, you know, as, as I wake up thinking about the holiness of God and that's what that first color points to. God's holy. Think about the sun shining on a really bright sunny day. And, uh, and you, if you thought, man, I'm going to try to live up there. You couldn't make it. Uh, you couldn't live on the sun and you can't live in the holiness of God either in your sin. It's just not going to happen. Uh, God is holy and as we look around, we know this world is created by an intelligent, all-powerful, all-knowing being. And, uh, and He is good. And He is righteous. And, and, uh, and He has a plan and a purpose and a reason for everything that's happening. But we also see there's a whole lot of bad. And that's where the black comes in with the question mark. There's a whole lot of bad out there. There is a way that seems right to us, but it ends in death. And we see that all over the world today. Everywhere you see killing and stealing and destroying, you know the darkness is at work and the enemy is at work. And that is what is within us. That darkness and that sin. So what do we do? If you and I have sin in our life and, uh, and we're, we're part of that fall, God created the world. He said it is good, but we fell into sin. And so the darkness is within us and we have sin in our life. How do we get back to God? When no amount of good work can get us back there? No, NASA can't make a suit good enough for you to live on the sun. Uh, and you, you know, no religion, no priest or prophet or whoever can make you a suit to make you holy. You're going to burn in the presence of God. There will be nothing left. Be like Nadab and Abihu that we talked about last week. We can't live in the holiness of God. So what can be done? And that's the heart of the Gospel that God so loved the world He gave His one and only Son. 
whosoever believes, not works their way, not pay, you know, throws out enough money, not does enough good deeds, none of that, but believes in Jesus Christ will be forgiven. They will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. So we've got to put believe in Jesus Christ. And that's the red that God sent His Son. He bled for us on the cross. He died for us. And not only that, but He suffered God's wrath in our place. And we've got to pass through that blood of Jesus Christ to be forgiven. And there's where the white comes in to be purified of our sin. And so, until that happens, until we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we stay in the black. We stay in the darkness. We stay separated from God. And if we choose to live that life, that's how we'll die. Separated forever from God in a place that Jesus described as suffering for eternity. And so we can't just hear these things and go, oh, okay, so I just have to hear these things and go, yes, yes. No, we've got to believe in a way that changes, that transforms, that we go from an old creation to a new creation in Christ. Uh, And so we challenge you today, have you put your trust in Jesus? And you can know that. That's the awesome thing. We can know, we can have an assurance of our salvation that we don't have to doubt. And so part of helping us with that, to be assured, is to publicly confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. To believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. To confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so that's what our invitation time is about. That if you've never done that, if you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Lord, never put your trust, your faith in Him to save you from your sin, you can do that now. If you're listening online, you can do that where you are. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. And you can come forward today. And I'll be glad to pray with you about that. Or if you want to come forward today to just publicly say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm putting all of my trust in Him today. And I want people to know it. Come forward today and do that. Um, That's an important step in living in that assurance. Um, And that's where the green letter or color comes in. We want to grow. If we're growing in Christ, we're not going to be doubting our salvation. We're not going to be living in fear and and wondering, have I got it right? Did I please God today? Did I not please God today? If I'm in a relationship with God, He's going to let me know that day by day. If I keep reading the Word and praying and uh, in fellowshipping with believers and sharing what Jesus has done in my life, I'm going to have an assurance as I grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and God moves in, our, in my life. So we encourage you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And our lives are pointless if they're not pointing others to Jesus. And that's why we feel doubt and discouragement and despair and have no certainty about anything. Because it, it's all sending us that message, something's wrong. And we need to get right with our Creator by trusting in Jesus Christ. So we encourage you to do that today. Offer up 
yourself and your sin and your darkness. And He'll give you salvation and hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, as we come to this time of invitation today, we just invite You to seek and save those that are lost. God, to bring an awakening to those that are deceived. God, to bring hope to those that are living in despair. God, that we would see this is all about You. And God, that everything that we do as a church, everything that we do as believers, would point others to Jesus. So help us, God, to do that. Help us to put away the selfish sacrifices, the man-made religion, the the people-made religion, and help us to live in relationship with You. As we close this service, God, we pray if there are those here that are lost, they wouldn't take another moment to contemplate or uh, to weigh the balance, but that they would come and be saved today, that they would trust in You today and give their life to You. So move, God. Help us to deal with whatever You're leading us to deal with today and to leave this place ready to point others to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to put my mask on, and if you need prayer today or if you want to receive Christ today, I'll be down here to help with that in any way that I can. So I'll be down here to pray with you if you need prayer today. Let's sing. Y'all stand together.